0: judge our quarterbacks by their
1: championships you know it starts with our quarterback he's got he's got to be the hardest working guy at practice uh i love the kid he's an unbelievable player he's gonna have a great year welcome to the gold big redcast the husker fan sports show with dave honky
2: mac and
1: boomer welcome
2: to the Go big redcast i'm your host david gaspers And I'm
3: with Honky. Unlike ESPN, the flagship station, there will be no technical difficulties on the
4: Redcast this week. And I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? My first season prediction has come true. The Huskers have started the season with a victory.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is true, Mac. You did call that. Very, very impressive. Really going out on a limb there. I'm also with Boomer tonight. Well, I'd just like to congratulate the uh, Tennessee Volunteers
5: on dodging that bullet and not hiring Mike Leach when they had the opportunity, so that's, <laughs> glad to see that's working out well for
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, week one is in the books. Uh, before we get to the game recap, I uh, have uh, got to bring up Aura Day, right, Honky? You had the whole like Aura Eve, Aura Day, whole nine yards. You did run into some friends and And listeners of the show, you want to give us an Aura recap really quick? I mean, it's that important at this point. Ton of fun. Mac and I did uh, our first Aura Open,
3: golfed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met up with a guy who his roommates or his buddies with the kid that was crying at the Colorado game yeah. in 01 right. that is on like the picture, you know, on the TV, on the... Sure. Anyways, he I think he's following us now, so that's nice. Um, <laughs> And then we went to Brewski's, and, yep. and you mentioned it last week, Mac, that day just leads to things, yeah. and we weren't expecting anything more than some beers. And, well, we ran into to Dave, our old friend, Dan Pensick, former black shirt, uh, father of Cole Pensick. We coached Cole. Uh, Dan coached with us for a couple of years, so... We had a great time chat with him, uh, ran into Bill Hooks, a uh, ESPN radio
4: guy, met met him. It was we fun. even crossed paths with uh, 2 a.m. when we were walking around the stadium, and he alerted me that he was going to keep the game plan very vanilla, and he was hesitant <laughs> to run, and there was nothing to be <laughs> concerned about on offense, so I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, and we didn't say anything, because that's not the role of the Redcast to say anything. So. I will say this, though, Redcasters, it, it took every every fiber of my being not to jump up on my arm around him and take a selfie. I it, <laughs> Part of me wanted to – I consulted my wife. She said, leave him alone. He's yeah. just a 19-year-old kid trying to get the class.
2: Sound advice. <laughs> it's sound advice. Uh, that's great stuff. Uh, we also had our first week of Yahoo Pick'em. And, uh, Honky, did I see that you're actually in first place? Is that correct? Yeah, and this should
3: prove that, um, you know, my predictions – I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Continue. Wh- Wyoming finally <laughs> came through is what I'm getting at. Wyoming. The altitude finally
2: got them. <laughs> it it only took three years. Yeah. Uh, I was actually uh, in Las Vegas with producer Skip, and he was he saw that score, and he's like, "Honky called that. I'm like, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> only three years in the making, but yes, you did.
3: And Dave, people can sign up still, right?
2: Yes, that is correct. I think we have like 75 entries already. Uh, so it's great to see the interest from the, the red casters, but you can actually, um, throw away four of your, the four worst weeks you have in the pick-up. So, uh, if you have not signed up yet, you still have a chance to join and, uh, win fabulous prizes and, you know, beat honky. So mm-hmm. fame and um, glory will that. be yours. Yeah. yeah. I'm also excited that we have, uh, the full Tom Chattel interview. In this episode, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, Hopefully you've already listened to the NUCU rivalry show that came out a couple days ago, had amazing family response. Uh, Producer Skip really uh, put a lot of tender loving care into that one. And, uh, we had some Tom Chattel clips incorporated into that. The full interview will be included in this show. So uh, make sure you go back and listen to that S- and you see you show, uh, before the game on Saturday. Uh, Honky, I, I've listened to it myself and it, it's, it's a lot of fun just to hear us actually talking about that because it was a lot of fun recording. Yeah.
3: It. Producer skipped in an amazing job because I don't remember it sounding that good when we recorded it. So he did a great <laughs> job true. putting it, he did a great job putting it together and, and also, just we want to say thanks again to Tom Chattel. It was a ton of fun, Mac, getting a chance to talk with him. And for you know, two guys that have been Husker fans, you know, our whole lives and growing up and reading his work, it was really cool to get a chance to chat yeah, with him. It,
4: it was a true honor, honestly. I mean, to kind of have him, you know, come out and, and talk to us. And like I, you know, I, I tweeted this out, but I mean, we could have gone on for as long as he was willing to do it I mean I was I was enjoying every moment of it you know you got to distill it a little bit to put it on a podcast but very gracious of him
2: to come on and and share that with us and uh, I truly enjoyed it all right guys I'm sure all the red casters want to hear your takes on the, the game so 35 21 it wasn't always pretty especially on the offensive side of the ball but um, it could be worse. We've had worse opening weekends, like games that aren't played um, or <laughs> right. losses, and that neither of those happened last Saturday. Uh, Honky, why don't you start with maybe your initial uh, reaction? on um, the victory on Saturday versus the University of South Alabama Jaguars. It
3: doesn't take much. There's a reason why there's a show called Overreaction um, in in this uh, fan base is because people tend to go crazy. I have a buddy of mine who's probably going to be listening to this, and he's a football coach out on the East Coast, and he's a he knows as much football as I'll ever know, and he was already saying we're a four and 8 team in the second quarter, and I'm like, well, that's a little quick. You know, I mean, geesh, we haven't even had a chance to score three non-offensive touchdowns, the first since 2005. We haven't even had a chance to do that yet. Let's let's get through a game. Let's get through a couple of games. There's a value in playing a first game in a season, and it's to get through a lot of these bugs. And you want to learn some of these mistakes now versus later. Was it perfect? Absolutely not. Was it as disastrous as some people think? No. I mean, in fact, it's really annoying.
4: Yeah. <laughs> you know. it, it's almost like that first snow of the year, and people are relearning how to drive in snow. And you're like, geez, man, you've lived here your whole life. How do you forget to drive in snow? <laughs> and it's the same thing with the first game of the year. It's like, overreaction city. I'm like, I, I just can't handle how this is unacceptable. I mean, they've been telling us what a great offense it's been all year. I'm like, chill out, man. Allow for a little improvement. I mean, first off, we won the game. So everything's intact. And nobody got hurt, so that's, well, Deontay Williams possibly, but nothing, you know, season ending. So just just chill out for a second, Husker fans. Let's take a moment, let's analyze it, and let's see what's going on here. But there is zero reason to overreact one way or the other, although I'm going to go on the other and be very positive.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you're right. Boomer, uh, have you jump in here. I mean, it could have been way worse, right? I watched a lot of football this weekend, and Tennessee lost to Georgia State. Florida State uh, gave up a big lead to Boise. Purdue is up on the road I- against Nevada. Looks like they had that game wrapped up. Gives it away. I mean, there's lots of examples, some really poor play out there. Uh, it could have been worse, right? Oh, it can always be worse, Dave. Yeah, that's, that's just <laughs> good advice to always keep in mind,
5: Husker fans. It can always get worse. We should know that after you know a few seasons that we've had here.
6: <laughs> but uh,
5: just like you know, Honky was saying, yeah, we had – probably an underachieving offense at least for what we all expected to see coming out in that first game but that's where you saw the importance of all the other facets of the game step up yeah we made fun of minnesota this weekend for you know struggling with south dakota state that they needed turnovers breaks whatever to beat him. well they found a way to generate turnovers take advantage of opponents mistakes and that's what good teams need to do and nebraska was able to do the same thing if the offense wasn't working your defense is able to step up you know make stops when they need to generate turnovers get points Special teams is able to do so, and that's what it takes to win. It's a three-phase game. It's not just the offense or just the defense. So that's what you want to see out of a team. If one part's struggling, how can you pick that up?
2: Stay in the Big Ten West. You have uh, Iowa starting slow in their game. They, they turn it on the second half. Minnesota struggled. Purdue lost. Uh, and then you even have in the East, like Michigan state, uh, I think they beat Tulsa 28 to seven, right? There's just some, some middle in games there. Uh, hockey on the opposite end and, and Mac, maybe you can join in here. I'm from the, just the, I don't know, porkiness of college football. You have teams like Maryland, uh, and Penn state and Wisconsin just dominating in the first week. And some people will probably oversell that. Oh my God, Wisconsin's really good this mm-hmm. year. And, uh, sure enough uh, you know game 2 may be completely different it's just it's it's hard to read a team off of one week right it's impossible i sent a tweet out on the other night and it was
3: about power rankings off of week 1 and i'm like power rankings after week 1 are stupid hmm. you're either 1 and 0 or 0 and 1 that is all yeah like i mean they're really i wouldn't read a whole heck of a lot more into it what i wanted to read from the team after the game was just kind of where are they at mentally. And, and this doesn't feel like some fragile team right now. There was nobody that, that seemed overly concerned. I would watch Frost on the sideline. I wanted to see his demeanor throughout the game, and it didn't matter if we were up 14-7, 28-7, or 28-21. He wasn't changing as the game went on. He was He's cool. He's calm. The team follows that. But you know what? If you can learn things from this game, this game can absolutely be worth it. I don't know what Wisconsin necessarily learned by going up twenty or forty-nine nothing. Nothing against going up forty-nine nothing, but I'm not sure if they learned as much about themselves in that game, and that might come back and bite them in the, in the behind in a in a closer game later this year because they're going to have closer games. They're not going to beat everyone forty-nine nothing. I hate to break that, that to, to Badger
2: fans. That
4: is
3: correct.
2: So Mac, uh, listen to the the Frost press conference. He talked about um, being a little schemey I believe he was his term uh do do, you uh think that's just coach coach speak kind of putting the the blame on himself a little bit he was also you know very blunt with his comments to Adrian Martinez and that he you know didn't have his best day um where were your takes from the from the uh presser I guess I
4: think Frost was as surprised as the rest of us as how the offense performed I don't you know to be honest with you I it was an execution issue. I mean, that that's kind of what it seemed like. It was a rhythm issue. It was a weird game. You know, it, it just it, it lacked flow throughout the entire time, and it was just sort of it just sort of permeated throughout the entire game. You know, the second half started weird, but you know, also good. You know, the special teams and and, and defensive touchdowns. You know, people talk about like. Well, if you took this, it took a special teams victory, uh, score to, to get ahead and a defensive touchdown. I'm like, as if that doesn't count, as if that's not yeah. part of a game. You know, it's like you can't count or rely on that. It's part of the game. As, as so if-, if it causes you to win, it's a win. So mm-hmm. does he look back on it? Maybe we just didn't have a good feel for what South Alabama was going to do. I'm not that terribly concerned about it. Nobody got hurt. Uh, we were kind of playing with our one hand behind behind our back with Mo Washington not playing the first half, and then in the second half, you know, we got a new center in there, and it's just it's just a matter of you know, getting flow. The first game, a honky, I texted during the game like this is why first games are important. I'm not going to put a lot of weight on it. I wouldn't have put a lot of weight on of us blowing them out, just like what you were talking about Wisconsin. If we hon- 56 points points on these guys and the defense struggled I would be just as concerned the fact of the matter is I don't have any doubt that what Frost can do and what this coaching staff can do with an offense and what Adrian can do as a quarterback and I was really happy with how the defense showed up and super surprised with the special teams showing up so to me it's a net win and on the win-loss column it's a total win
2: so the the panic to me is a little early no, Mac. That's that's a good take. It let's stay on the positive side for a little bit, and, and maybe I'll throw it to Boomer to see if he can have a positive side because I want to focus on those turnovers and the punt return. Obviously, there was a good and the bad there with the fumble too, but you had to be excited to see uh, J.D. Spillman have that punt return and uh, a spark on that special team side, right?
5: Yeah, that was one of the things we've we've mentioned before, and we've always harped on it—the importance of being able to flip the field on special teams. You know, if you're pinned back and you you know, pin the other team back, or can you finally get that good return, which we were able to do? What was that seventy-six yard return? So that's you know, when's the last time we've had a great punt return for a touchdown? It's been a long time. And then you saw the the downside of it too. And the next punt he had, he, he fumbled it. And you saw how that just completely swung the momentum of that second half. So, but you like to see the positives, so let's highlight that. So we we were improving there. The the punts themselves, they were not local balls, so they weren't the longest, but they got good bounces. And if that's what it takes, hey with that so let's just keep that working
2: and boom are you a little worried if barrett pickering doesn't kick this week um
5: i'd like to see him kick um jorgensen his field goal i that was blocked wasn't it i was in the stadium i never got to see a replay but it sure sounded like that got tipped did you guys
6: happen yeah to see it sounded that? like it came yeah, out a little it, low you could
5: hear i thought i heard it get smacked by somebody so i can't blame him for that but he was you know five for five in extra points so can't go wrong with that
2: but I'd, you'd like to see pickering back uh, Honky, if I was more on the negative side, like your buddy uh, in Virginia, I'd be looking at the the issues with Cam Juergens at center and the high snaps, which seem to get the offense a bit out of rhythm timing-wise, right? A lot of that stuff, He's mm-hmm. Adrian has the reach for the ball, and his handoff isn't as smooth, and all those type of things, uh, and just generally the offensive line play. If someone was coming into this season and they're doubting some of the lofty predictions for the Huskers, they would look at that offensive line and say, I don't think it's ready for primetime quite yet, and there's nothing that probably would convince them otherwise yet, right? But again, it, it maybe it was just... What they were trying to do wasn't quite what they expected USA to be thrown at them. Or I mean what what did you see there with that O-line play?
3: It's a couple different things. I mean, let's start with the snaps. They're high. They they were slow. I mean, he's holding on to the ball an extra split second, and that's what's keeping the ball going up high. It's what makes the ball not shoot off at a at a faster rate. Like when you watch Farniak come in, in the second half, not only is the ball low, but it's it's shooting back at a faster rate to the quarterback. I mean it's this it's the kind of snap you want to see. Now, I know Jurgen's can do that. I've seen Juergens make those snaps, but in that game his first game playing as a center, they they weren't coming off very well and so they took him out and I don't blame him for doing that. I don't blame him for putting him back in the game here this next week. It's far too early for anyone to be given up on him or anything like that. That's just that's stupid. Yeah. But he has a short leash when it comes to Colorado. We can't afford to have snaps like that because it does everything from you know, screw up the play, up the timing. We have fakes that are supposed to be, you know, extended with guys going in motion. You can't fake it to them if you're. Well, yeah, no, for one's the gonna, ball. no one's going to no one's
4: going to buy a ball carrier fake when you had to jump way Correct. up in the air and the ball carrier's already gone by the time you do that play action. Yeah, it, it does throw off the time and It takes your eyes off the defense. Your key reads are gone. It, it is a big yep. part of it. Is a big part of what our issues, you know, but seem I, to be on off. What I
3: would tell what I would tell people to chill on is I can go back to 1996 and I can go to Aaron Taylor. In game two at Arizona State, we have three safeties in one game. The record for an entire season was two by Nebraska prior to that game. So we had more safeties in one game than we'd ever had in a season and people after that game were calling for Aaron Taylor's head at center. They were calling for Scott Frost head at quarterback. Amon Green was getting too big at running back and he went, and he looked sloppy out there and I in think 96? Yeah, 96. And I think I think Amon Green did okay for himself. I think Frost turned it around went 11 and 2 and I think you know Aaron Taylor went All-American that year. I'm not saying that those things are going to happen for these guys, but let's at least give them a couple of games here, right? As far as the offensive line issues go, quite honestly, I didn't see some of the same offensive line issues that I'm hearing other people see. Well, we just aren't hitting guys as hard or we didn't get the push. No, you know what? We had a numbers issue at times. Yeah. Because that- there was flat out a numbers issue. And anyone that watched a video from Fox sports this weekend of urban Meyer breaking down the spread offense and the RPOs, yeah. he talked about the advantage of a, of a spread offense versus the old I formation is that it's about a numbers game. Exactly. And, and our numbers game were, were off this last week. And Frost was the first one to talk about it yeah. in the press conference. He goes, you know, you, and he goes, that's an area where we have to get better at.
1: Um, number two, they, they were really packing the box. Um, said that after the game, but watching the tape, you can really see it. I'm Not sure we were in the right stuff to take advantage of it. Uh, Mo has the quickness and the looseness sometimes to bounce them and get outside and make somebody miss and outrun some people. Um, so he was able to make a couple plays. Um, but Dietrich's capable of doing that too, and we have other backs that are. So we just got to do a better job as a coaching staff.
3: If you want to watch a play about push, watch the play where we got under center on third and one or fourth and one, one of the two, and and we just went right up the gut, yep. and we oh well, we had no problem pushing them. Yeah. Th- those same walk on guards and that same you know freshman center pushed a defensive line five yards back.
4: So there's push. It, it's a confusion that a lot of Husker fans, I think, are going to have. This offense isn't about necessarily push. It's about. Getting the ball to where the defense is not. And I feel like if, if there was, if there was a frustration on my end about how the offense was running, it seemed as though the decision making on that was a little off. It seemed like a couple times, and I don't know, and I don't know if they're design reads. I don't know if they're design handoffs. I'm not, I'm not trying to make a judgment on that, but it, don't get it twisted. The ball's not supposed to go where all eight defenders are. The ball is supposed to go to the other direction. And if, and so it's it, you know the the offensive line gets bust tossed on this so there's eight guys for them to block at sometimes and yeah. it, and the ball probably should have popped wide and probably will as we go forward so yes uh, maybe you didn't see a push but do you really even understand what they're trying to do uh, quick answer no yeah. you don't well, so so the snaps are high we can all see that you know maybe a little bit of rhythm a little bit of timing a little yeah. bit of communication with the offense online there's that but i'm not going to i'm not willing to feel the whole we can't get any push yet
3: <laughs> one other thing about the snaps and then i think we can put the snaps thing to rest during right after the game we got some questions online and people were asking about you know snaps and you know, what can you do and how can we fix this and i know this sounds boring and maybe this is the old coach coming out in me but i just said reps repetitions yeah. real live reps in practice against live defensive players game type conditions and you just keep repping the guy and that sounded boring as heck until i heard frost say the exact same thing no. monday during his press conference
1: you know i think with with cam it was a matter of not getting reps uh you know he missed quite a bit of training camp and um I suppose it's like shooting free throws or any other athletic movement if you've done it a million times it's second nature and um we're certainly going to be taking a look at it and working on it, but I've personally never been a center, so that's one area of uh, football I
4: don't know a whole lot about. When the last time your center played a football game, he was a tight end. Yeah, You're right. Maybe reps would be an and, issue.
3: And it's the equivalent, of, and Frost brought it up, because it's like basketball shooting a free-throw. There just becomes muscle memory, and you just get good at it the more you do it. So let's Instead of benching everybody, which is what that's what Husker Nation likes to do, we 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 have to bench somebody the second they do something wrong. How about you coach them up? In fact, this staff has done pretty well. If you looked at last year's team that started 0 and six and has gone five and two since, I think the staff has shown the ability to improve and make players better. Let's let them continue to do that.
2: All right, good stuff, coach. <laughs> uh. All right, anything else on the South Alabama victory we want to touch on Honky. I want to touch a little bit on the running back situation. Mac,
3: you're you're kind of our running back's coach on the show, but we talked a little bit about Dedrick Mills, and we really like a lot of things about him. Mm-hmm. But there's a style mm-hmm. difference that you can tell between Mills and definitely Washington getting on the field. And it, one of the things that I wanted to make a comparison with, I thought about Calvin Jones and Derrick Brown, the mm-hmm. weebacks back in the day. Two guys running the exact same offense, yet they would get very different results. Brown could dart through a line and get 10, 15 yards in a hurry, but always got shoestring tackled. Mm. And Jones was the guy that could pull off the 80-yard run. And I was always like, why, why was that? And I remember watching video, and Jones had a little, just a, a, an extra ounce of patience on some place. He'd allow one last block to open up, and he'd cut off of it, and he'd find that hole and Brown sometimes would rush it and get right through the hole, and, and he'd, he'd make it through the hole, but he'd end up getting caught by somebody downfield. Mm-hmm. And Mills, it felt like there were holes for Mills if he just was a skosh more patient. Absolutely. It's, it's game one. Everyone yep. was playing with their hair on fire. Yep. But, but if he was just a skosh more patient, I think that he has got some cutback lanes the way that we zone block. There's openings for Mills that you just got to slow the game down just a little bit, and he can make it.
4: Well, and, and it's a different offense for him, too. You know, he's coming from the Juco ranks where he really was a hammer and there wasn't necessarily seams. There wasn't necessarily something to open up. And you just have to hit it hard and hit it as fast as you can and try to make as many yards as, as possible. This offense is a little bit different. You have to allow for the linemen to move around. You have to allow for them to get the angles so you know where to go. And I felt like... He was hitting the hole as hard as he possibly could, <laughs> as fast as he possibly could. Now, I love the mentality yep. and to, to some respects, but you, some of this has to be tempered and some of it can be coached and some of it is first game and some of it is Adrian pulling the ball and some of it is getting better push and some of it's a better snap. It's, it's so systemic, guys. It's not like it's one guy's fault. It certainly isn't Cameron Juergen's fault the whole game that went, went that way on. On the offense. It certainly isn't Dietrich Mills' fault that the running game wasn't productive, as it wasn't totally Adrian Martinez's fault. You know, it's it's a collective unit. But when, you, but when you saw Washington come in, what did he do? He got the ball fast, he pressed the line of scrimmage, and then based off that, he would bounce it. And if, if there wasn't anything in the middle, he would put it out wide. I don't think Diedrich Mills is incapable of making that play physically. From an athletic standpoint, he absolutely is. Like his zone, he had an outside zone where he just ran around the corner, and it was probably one of his best runs because he just got ahead of steam and he got around the corner. And but he's still the first guy in front of him. He just smacked him. You know, it wasn't like mm-hmm. he. It wasn't like he juked him. It wasn't like he tried to make a move on him. And again, I like that. But listen, buddy, this isn't the ACC and this isn't the JUCO ranks, and I'm just afraid at at 5'11 at or 5'10, at 2'20, you're not blowing over anybody in this league. So we're going to need a little wiggle. Arm tackles, blow through them, but you're going to need a little bit of wiggle going through there. And I think with the addition of Mo Washington coming back, this next week for a full game and being able to have that kind of dynamic in the backfield on top of a Wandel Robinson, um, that's where you can really start to, to create some some seams and some holes for this guy to really hit because, man, I'm telling you what, if he finds that seam, if it's there for the second that he's planning on hitting it, he will go for a lot of yards, and safeties are not going to want to get in front of him. So yeah, the running back position was interesting this week. We were kind of breaking in a few different guys. Wyatt Missouri got a lot of snaps. Ramir Johnson didn't get any. You know, mm-hmm. Washington didn't come until the second half. And Adrian, the, the running game with Adrian was. Uh, Perplexing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm not ready. I'm not ready to make any grades on any part of the offense quite yet. Maybe with the exception of the tight end, I thought the tight ends played really well. Um, and that's something that it was exciting to see for a game.
2: Good stuff, guys. Um, I'm sure we'll probably cover this maybe on the preview for the Colorado game uh, because of their state connection. But Eric Lee, for example, and a few other Colorado guys did have really good games. Eric Lee came in and had almost like a career day, actually, yep. after Deontay Williams got injured. That's great to see, right, Hunk?
3: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Eli Sullivan and Jack Stoll and Jojo Doman, a lot of uh, production came out of that state. And so uh, and that was perfect timing because those guys are having a homecoming here in a couple of days. See, hashtag see you
2: right out. That's right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, I think that should uh, handle the recap for South Alabama. Um, Well, I think now is the time that we can uh, listen to the interview that Honky and Mac did with Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald.
3: Welcome back to the Redcast. And as Dave mentioned, uh, this is kind of an honor tonight, Mac. Absolutely. Uh, We have Tom Chattel of the World Herald with us. Welcome to the Redcast, Tom hey guys
4: the, the honor is all mine
3: <laughs> uh not that you need an introduction, but Tom is the world herald's lead sports columnist he started with in Omaha in ninety one and he's covered just about everything that you can imagine and you can follow him on twitter at tom o w h Tell us how'd you get started in this? how'd you get to nebraska and and obviously you're still here, so I think you kind of like it
0: yeah well I, I I decided a long time ago uh, I don't I, I want to do math but i I'm, I'm i'm now sixty one when I was 13, I knew I wanted to be Oscar Madison. I liked to write. I loved sports. I was too uh, too slow and I couldn't jump. So I ended up, uh, well, a lot of the guys who can't do that
1: are, are up in the press box. So um, <laughs> I always wanted to be uh,
0: a sports writer. And I knew early on I wanted to write a column. I wanted people to read my column. As a, and that, was, that was sort of the thing I wrote after my class. What, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I wanted people to read my column as, as, as they're having breakfast. So um, I don't know if people do that, um, <laughs> but it's, it'll be 28 years this Sunday. It's been great. I uh, My background is, is uh, I, 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 I grew up in San Diego in Kansas City. W- went to school in Missouri, between 76 and 80. Would have been the uh, two years of Alan or Frio, two years of Warren Powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> All right. My first game in Lincoln was the last game of the seventy eight season. I've written about it ad nauseum, and people get mad at me because I write about it too much. <laughs> it was a loss, but I saw that's my first game at Memorial Stadium when Nebraska lost to Missouri, and an absolute thriller under gray skies, cold temperatures. The week after, Nebraska fell and beaten Billy Simpson, Oklahoma. So yep. they had everything on the line. They lost. I fell in love with, with the city and the stadium and the fans, whole atmosphere. I thought, you know, one day this would be kind of a cool place to work. After college, I worked at the, the Kansas City Star for 10 years, covered the Big Eight. My beat was Missouri, KU, and K-State sports. Um, I covered a lot of really bad football, but, <laughs>
6: yeah. I, rocked, but I covered a lot of great basketball. Right. I became a college basketball fan then in the 80s when it was Billy Tubbs and Johnny
0: Oregon and so forth. Right but. On. um was, you know, I got to go. I got to cover the Orange Bowl every year, so I saw a lot of Nebraska, Oklahoma Orange Bowls. I got to know Switzer very well. Got to know Tom as well as you can know him. Uh, I, I used to know Milt Tenner. I used to come oh. up every summer and do a story on Nebraska's offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I felt for Milt. I got to go to his office and over lunch hour interview him. So this uh, job came up in the summer of '91. Mike Kelly. Was just retired, was a sports editor and sports columnist and decided to go
4: to Newside for whatever reason. And thank God he did. The job opened up.
6: I had some connections up here because I'd
0: I'd been in the Big 8. And voila, here I am. And uh, I thought, you know, I'll be there for a few years. I'm I'm too big for Omaha. I'll be here. I'll be there. And before I knew it, I just fell for the city. And then I literally fell for a... uh, uh, a Nebraska girl Uh grew up in Valley I, I met her at an old sports park It was called Polly's It's no longer there uh, Home of the College Bowl
3: Series uh, mm-hmm. okay. So and then you get married You have kids
0: And the next thing you know It's, it's, it's been 28
3: years Right That's that's yeah, awesome no
4: kidding
3: You mentioned that 78 game I mean, Missouri was having Some success with us back then I think that was the third time In a row they beat us in Lincoln And then, of course, We have to turn around And play Oklahoma again In the bowl game That's a interesting yeah, first back th- Yeah, back then Missouri was 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 a giant killer. They would mm-hmm. they would they would win at
0: Notre Dame and win at Nebraska, and then they'd go home and lose to KU or, or Iowa State, and then they'd, they'd fire the coach. So they. Yeah, they always had talent. They just just never get it figured out. But yeah, my first opener was uh, 1991. I believe Nebraska played Utah State. We was talking about last year's uh, opener. That game in '91 was delayed for a like, for an hour mm-hmm. with lightning, and the, the fans were. I don't know if it's just Nebraska fans just like to hang out in the rain,
4: but, <laughs> but they didn't leave the stadium. And they tried to clear the stadium, and they lightning was over the downtown, and uh, so the game they came back and they
0: finished the game. But I remember that the, my first. This column was was about my quarterback Keith McCann McCant and how oh, yeah. he had just won the job and uh of course back then we didn't emails people actually had, had to write a letter but I remember getting letters from people that week you know don't give up on Mickey Joseph yeah. McCants you know don't you know you, you 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 know you came in you just got here and, oh, and yeah. you know everything and all this stuff so it was it was great I, I loved it I, I've
3: gotten feedback ever since the four of us uh, Dave and Boomer they're not on the show tonight but. Uh, We're in our early 40s. We came from Columbus. We graduated uh, Columbus SCOTAs and Columbus High in the mid-90s. So we grew up uh, kind of in that era of Husker football, 80s and 90s. I can remember my senior year going to study hall, and everyone in Columbus, you had two papers. You got your Columbus Telegram, and you got your World Herald.
4: I delivered the Telegram.
3: Oh, yeah, and that's how you would get your—I mean, that's how you'd you'd find out about the recruit that we just got, and you heard his name for the first time would be when you'd open up the paper— and that name was there, and you yeah. never knew them. Today, you know about these kids three, four, five years before they sign even. It's just really it's amazing how that's changed. But we've been reading your work and admiring your work literally since back then. Lee Barfnick, yeah. Eric Olson, a number of those names. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, uh, it's, it's,
0: it's been a great run. We, we've, we've had many good road trips together. I don't know if I going to announce this next week or not, but I'm, I'm going to stop traveling for uh, – it's by my request. Um, it's been a great run. I I've, we now have to travel by car a lot of places, and so I've, I've had I've had two knee replacements. I
4: can't sit in the car for longer than like two or three hours. And this, <laughs> the, 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 this stupid Big Ten that I'm just <laughs> I, I was just going to ask about that. Killing you, man. I a Twilight Zone episode for me. I love the Big Eight,
0: and I'm not happy with about the Big Ten, but I'll I'll, I'll I'll be okay. I'll survive. But I will not travel because. We're on the, uh, the the west coast of the Big Ten. Everything is a six- to eight-hour drive in the car. So I'm probably going to ma- make like one trip a year. Uh, so it's not that – to me, it isn't that big of a deal. Uh, I'm still going to write columns. I'll probably off TV when I'm when, when I'm not there. But, you know, okay, you guys remember the early ni- – the late 80s and early 90s. You remember when I got here, there was a little turmoil. You know, Nebraska
4: mm-hmm. oh, yeah, was
0: coming off the Citrus Bowl – Lost to Georgia Tech, and before that they they lost Oklahoma, and then before that you know, and and that's that's a wipeout. And then before that, so the Colorado uh, come back in the, in the rain in, in the fourth quarter? So, and, you know, people were you know there was more soul searching going on. I couldn't I couldn't win a bowl game. Yeah,
4: that was the thing I was going to say. Not to mention yeah. you can't win a bowl game. Those are big.
0: And, and so I was you know I was going to ask you guys, do you remember back in 1991? Did you have any? I mean, Nobody could have guessed what was about to happen in the in the decade. I mean, Nebraska seems so far away from being the, the dominating force of college football that they turn out to be. It's um, I just think it's, it's interesting because you, 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 you couldn't have expected that to happen. But now here we are in 2019, <laughs> and we kind of expect something big to happen, but we're not sure what it is. Yep. So has there ever been a time like this in Nebraska history where – back in like 68 or 69 they had no idea what was about to happen and so i think are we jumping the gun what do
3: we expect Uh, is this i I think it's interesting is this a leap year is that what you're trying to get at tom because that's what it sounds like and i think someone wrote about that it it sounds like there there are times in in nebraska's history where a switch has happened whether it was 69 after the two six and four you know years whether it was 81 and making the switch in the offense, whether it was 93, and and to your point, what happened just before that. Because to your point there, in 91 and 92, we like to romanticize history in this state. And Osborne was just 25 glorious years, and nobody ever put any pressure on him. And that's how we look back on it now. But the reality was is that every Oklahoma loss was brutal. And those seven straight bowl losses were brutal. And Osborne was fired thousands of times over the course of his career within the state to the point of – the game that's coming up this weekend, Colorado—the only team that he ever interviewed at after '78, after that loss to Missouri, yes. and then and then Oklahoma in the bowl game—to have that Colorado offer and the only time he interviewed—you know—it was a real challenge, you know, for him there. And I think sometimes our younger fans, people that weren't alive during that time, I think we romanticize it like it was just this perfect, glorious 25 years.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I, exactly. And I, I was not here every day in, during that time in the '70s and '80s, but. You know, my, my, my view from about three hours south in Kansas City was that, you know, Husker fans were maybe a little impatient with Osborne. They wanted him to be their coach. But they wanted him to do better. Mm-hmm. And so there was pressure on him to get to the next level. So I, I, I just and there some of those games in the eighties, Oklahoma losses, the comebacks, uh, Keith Jackson and oh, you know, the hallway, and it just. Every year it's like, god, you know, Nebraska would always be nine and two or ten and one, but that one it would just drive a stick through your heart. And it just I remember what game it was? It might have been um, the, the the Sooner Magic, one of those Keith Jackson games. And I remember Mike Kelly writing this front page column about his lead was uh, it, it's it's okay to cry. It was just like it
6: just, <laughs> that's how people felt. It's like, oh my god, not again. And
0: so. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a great way to put that. As uh, and I, I did not really experience it until the first Orange Bowl that I was uh, covered in Omaha. Yeah, they uh, they ended up tying Colorado ninety one out there. Colorado, it was snowing all week. We barely got out there because of the the, the it was a blizzard all through Nebraska. The, the team the hand team had to go in there early. We get out there and the fans are snow all over all over Folsom Field and they're throwing snowballs. That Byron Bennett, the kicker, he's lining up to try to, to win the game. Of course, he misses because he's getting pelted he's up by snowballs, which was <laughs> total, total classless. It was if you weren't involved in the game, you go, come on, guys. But I remember that Orange Bowl in Nebraska ended up going on, on a, a tiebreaker. And I just remember Osborne at that bowl game talking about how, you know, he he, he, he threw this out there. I, think, I don't know if he's trying to get people's sympathy or attention, but with the fans or whatever but he was like yeah a couple of schools contacted me about openings and I, I almost took them and and i was like i always almost dropped my pad and pen going you kidding me what are you talking about you almost left and he was he said yeah people here are, are, are gonna run me out that's how he felt so you know i i i got i i experienced that early on but uh I've never known how much of that was
3: actually true. Well, I remember him talking about a regent after one of those bowl games in the, in the mid-'70s. I think it was the press conference after letting
6: go of Callahan. Uh, I tried not to put any stipulations on anybody uh, that I would not have expected myself. Um, uh, I never, when I was coaching here, until maybe the last three or four years, felt that I could survive a losing season as the head coach. I did not think I would be employed. And I'll tell you where that came from. The, uh, the first four years, um, uh, we were 9-2-1 first, uh, beat Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Next year, 9-3, and three, beat Florida in the Sugar Bowl. The uh, third year, we were 10-2, and two, tied for the conference championship. Lost to um, uh, Arizona State in the Fiesta Bowl. And in the fourth year, we ended up 9-3-1, beat Texas Tech in the Astro Bluebonnet Bowl. And that evening, one of the regents got me aside and said, uh, I'm glad you won tonight, because if you hadn't, you'd been fired. And uh, I gathered there had been some serious conversation about my future at that point. So that was four years. about 77, 78 percent winning percentage, and uh, and yet that was the nature of the deal here. And so, uh, uh, believe me, uh, I would not expect anything uh, from any coach here that I hadn't experienced myself or didn't believe would be applied to me as the coach here.
3: And he had talked about how a regent came up to him and said, had you not won that bowl game, you would have been fired. And that was after, you know, four or five seasons of of winning nine, ten games. But when you're backing up Bob Devaney right before you, I always tell people there's a reason in the Southwest Corner Memorial Stadium there's a, a plaque That says in 22 years, this goes to Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne for winning 200 games in 22 years, 100 each. It's never been done in NCAA history. And that's because being a legend and backing up a legend is not something that a lot of people want to do. Ryan Day right now at Ohio State, I don't know how envious of a position that is taking over for Urban Meyer. And we've seen that. We've seen Urban Meyer... Look at Florida's success since he left there 10 years ago. It's tough to leave people that do great things. And the the thing for Nebraska is we've had enough guys now between Osborne and Frost, and I think we finally feel like we've got that, that next guy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's, it's fascinating,
0: uh, isn't it? The, the history of it, and you know, you know,
3: why did Bob Devaney stand by his guy? Well, he was his guy. That's why yep. he did, and he he took
6: the heat, but he was Bob Devaney.
0: He could take the heat. He could go into any uh, Elks club or, <laughs> or Legion club in, in the state, and, and they'd get all bowed down to him. So you know, these days, you know, the AD isn't going to do that. So you know, timing's everything. Tom got time to figure it out. He he was several years with guys like Tom Sorley and. It's Pergamo trying to throw the ball, and yep. mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he went to the option. He got Turner Gill away from uh, Switzer, and, and everything changed. But that was 1979-80, so mm-hmm. that was a good five or six years into it. it sometimes you just you got to stay with the guy. That, that's what happened with Bill McCartney. You know, they were ready to fire him in the mid 80s, and the AD, uh, I, I believe it was Bill Marold, the old Colorado ski coach. Was the AD uh, only? Only Colorado was the ski coach. The AD, by the way, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but he stayed with them. I thought, I mean, I'm not sure that they could afford maybe to pay him off. But uh, they gave him another year, and, and I believe that that was the year he beat Nebraska because '86. They upset Nebraska there, and that was like I remember coming to Big Eight, going, "Whoa!" And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. So. That was sort of the beginning of this Colorado Nebraska thing that I've I really don't like very much. I really uh, I'm not going to Boulder and I'm really not not that sad about it. I love Folsom Field, but I don't like the atmosphere around the, the game. I just think it's it's not about football. It's not a it's not even about rivalry. It's just about being mean.
4: I don't know if you were down for the game in Lincoln last year. But some of that to me from the Colorado fans I talked to it almost it almost seems like it's a memory of a grudge that isn't that we're going to try to ramp up anyway but it doesn't seem as it wasn't with my interactions with them as genuinely evil and hateful as it, it tended to be. I wonder if some of that's gone away but I but I'm with you I, the trip to Boulder that's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Well,
0: there's a lot of Husker fans going, and the Danes certainly so don't care about what I think on that. They'll be, they're going to be happy, and just be careful with those with those Nebraska license plates out there. But, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I I think I wrote about this last year when we were uh, McIntyre was the coach of Colorado, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. and you know they were asking him about, that's an important game, but I mean he couldn't speak to that. He had no idea. He didn't. He's in the Pac-12. He's he's trying to beat USC now in and, and Oregon. And this Nebraska thing was a memory. And I, I, I wrote that
4: there's a generation of Colorado fans and Nebraska fans who don't who don't remember why everybody was so upset. Right,
6: they, yeah.
0: You know, why do we hate Nebraska again? Tell me yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was, it was a ploy by Bo McCartney
6: to raise his program up, to get them focused. For sure. Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, it worked. It, it, it was
0: brilliant. It just went over. He took it too far. He went over the edge with it, and I, I, I never
3: liked that. So, Tom, actually, you know, I think the article you're referencing, I've got it right in front of me. We've talked about it on the show. It's September 5th uh, article from last year. And you wrote about how you were talking with the Colorado scribe in the uh, Dallas airport and how he asked you, will Nebraska fans miss playing Colorado? And you said, nope, not at all. And he, he says, really? And so I guess, you know, that is that question to you. Really? But I think you're right. I don't. We don't miss it the way that we miss Oklahoma. No,
0: no, not at all. And it was never, because Oklahoma was about football. It was about respect. It was about championships. And yeah. I always thought, you know, there were some great Nebraska-Colorado games in the 90s, but we don't remember those because it was never about football. It was always about going out to Denver and having uh, Woody Page or who I like. I've always got along with them, but. He he, he is, he's got a shtick, and he he becomes this character that he uh, in the paper. So he does this, you know, you know, oh, Nebraskans. Uh, Their cheerleaders are like cows, and they're you know they're, they they don't have they don't have
6: uh, indoor plumbing and all. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're
0: that. it's just some of the sophomoric just stuff you never even. It, you know, it's it's um, it became about that and uh, the hatred and, and this and that. It's, I tell you the '94 '95 games were as good as uh, football games as, as, as you'll see. And, uh, mm. uh, and Nebraska '95 had to play a perfect game, no penalties, and, and, and to win out there. And, and and Tommy Fraser would tell you his favorite play was not the run uh, in the Fiesta Bowl against Florida. He did, he doesn't
3: like that play because Florida gave up. He's told me that. Uh-huh, he I said that. That, He said that the Gators, you know, those guys weren't they, they gave up. He, he,
0: he didn't respect that play at all. I mean, he's known for it, but his to him, his favorite play, and I remembered
3: it. I, I know where I know where you're going with this, Tom. I know which one it, it is. It was a
0: third down pass, among Green. Yep, uh, for a first down, it was a very important drive, and he was getting hit. He was, he was actually getting leveled by a I don't know if it was Ted Johnson or it was some Colorado linebacker, Matt Russell or somebody, mm. was all over him. He he held the ball and 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 uh,
4: I, I completed the passes. He was being sacked. Yeah. And um, he he said that that's his favorite play. So I, I've never seen a quarterback take a blindside shot like that. And it looked like he looked down at the guy hitting him. He's like, well, I'm going to throw it anyway <laughs> and still complete it, and then I'll go down. It was such a strong play. Like mean, it's about as good as uh as that picture of the charging buffalo and Osborne just pointing the other way. <laughs> right. You know, it's like. I'm not really that worried about you. Yeah, should just <laughs>
3: And, and uh, Dave on the show, Dave and I were at that game in 95. I was also at the uh, disaster in 01, but that 95 one, we were still out in line waiting to get our tickets. We were students, and we got tickets in the student lottery, but you didn't get the ticket until you got to the game. And this line was an hour long, and we thought we were there plenty early. Well, anyways, as we were standing in line, the crowd erupts, and... That was Amon Green scoring on the first play and you know the game, you know, in a different formation that Osborne knew they'd score a touchdown on and you know, that's a, that's the a way to do it. But I, I love how you explain it in in your writing about how OU and CU and how rivalries worked. I mean OU was our peer, CU wanted to be our peer. And yes. You talk in that article, actually, from last year, September 5th article, you talked about how there are different kind of rivalries. You talked about it was the uncomfortable rivalry, the forced rivalry, a gimmick rivalry. And I think that's an interesting kind of way of talking about because Nebraska fans, right now it's Iowa. You know, oh, they're not our rivals. Or when it was K-State for a couple of years, they're not our rivals. Or Mizzou wasn't our rivals. We were always trying to just find the next Oklahoma. And the reality is, it is okay to say there are multiple rivals. They, they just... They're different. You know, Michigan and Ohio State is different than Michigan and Michigan State, but they're still all rivals. Right. Oklahoma and Texas right. is different than Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but they're still rivals. And Nebraska, we haven't found that next Oklahoma that respect one that peer one. But but I think it is okay to say we have a bunch of rivals. Maybe
4: we would have had we been competitive in any of them, because I think Wisconsin could be that, just how they've oh, been. But we're not holding up. Our well, end if it's any if it's
3: about being competitive, and and that's always a, a thing to be with competitiveness, because look at Michigan, Ohio State right now. That Michigan could not be less competitive. They've lost fourteen of fifteen, I think the last I heard. But that rivalry transcends that. Nebraska and Oklahoma, over the course of Osborne's twenty-five years, it all went in stretches. You lose the first five, then you beat them in seventy-eight. You lose a few more. You have that success in the mid-eighties. Then Switzer wins four out of five, and then Osborne destroys the rest. You know, it wasn't a back-and-forth year after year thing, but it was just the games meant so much every time they were played. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, there was a chance for those to happen, but. Colorado was like, I'm going to go up to the big bully and and, and pick a fight, and you mm-hmm. you have to take the bully down to get his attention. And while they did, they they won in eighty nine and ninety, uh, and that was it. Right until two thousand one, they didn't win. So people were just upset that Colorado was 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 basically so mean about it and would would basically trash. People just like come on, Rascals want to talk about, about football. You know, nobody in Colorado wants to talk about Colorado football, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, which is why they're, they're actually perfect in the Pac-12 with all the well, all those AFC West and uh, nationally West uh, cities where it's, it's about the pro sports. So yeah. the Big Ten thing is just going to take a while. I'm not sure there's ever going to be a true rival mm-hmm. because, to me, you have to play for high stakes and. You know, Nebraska hasn't played for high stakes in forever, so yep. that needs to change. And I think it will, but will will it be that way every year? Mm-hmm. And will it be the same school? I don't think. I mean, I think you could argue it's going to be hard to say it'll always be Wisconsin or always be Iowa. To me, the Iowa Nebraska thing right now is is kind of a Twitter rivalry. It's you know people are on there. If Iowa some guy from Iowa says something or there's a story about Iowa, Nebraska fans will jump on the the, the comments. Mm-hmm. And, and and make and start poking fun at, at Iowa's lack of championships, and then you know you know if I've i posted columns about Nebraska deals and this or that, and then I'll hear from the Hawkeye people about you know oh, these guys are all delusional again. And so I mean that <laughs> that's kind of where Nebraska and Iowa have not played for anything meaningful ever. Yep. So if that happens, that that will, will that that'll get started. But then you kind of have to keep it going. So I'm I'm not sure if if, if we're ever going to get to that point you know, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, we thought, well, there's all kind of possibilities for, for, for these it, rivalries, but rivalries hmm. don't work unless you win, and
3: mm-hmm. Nebraska
0: hasn't won. So I really think the Big Ten will be embraced a lot more when Nebraska is winning, and the, the games are bigger. So but who knows, but I, I hate to mention this guy's name, but I don't want anybody to get Upset, but
4: I talked with Sean Watson. Remember the name Sean Watson? You remember that? Yeah, like, <laughs> I thought you. I way. thought you were going to say yeah. Pookie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is
0: this was back when he was uh, Bill Callahan's right hand man, uh-huh. uh, the coordinator, whatever, quarterback coach, so on and so forth. Like uh, you no five or oh six, and we were just chatting one day at practice, and I said, Sean, I said, you know, you were in Colorado in 01 I said what happened in that game? Can you explain to me how that happened? Because, I mean, it was an avalanche. It was...
4: Oh, man. It was brutal. I mean,
0: it was Chris Brown every play and and going for 20 yards and the tight end open every play. I said, how in the world? I mean, that was, that was a good Nebraska team. They, they beat Oklahoma. They were, they were ranked in the top two or three. I, mean, I think they were two or something like that. Maybe they were their number one. I don't remember, but he said he goes. It's a great story. He goes. He said Gary Barnett was the head coach, and for the last for like the previous three or four years, he said you know we it drove him crazy. He couldn't beat Nebraska. So he said that uh, Barnett for the the previous three years spent every day on Nebraska. He spent part of every day on Nebraska, where he would study. He would break down their film. He would he would look at the at something you know what they did last year their schemes, their personnel, and he said for like three years in a row, and sure enough, and he's right, uh, 99, Nebraska, I think
3: won in overtime out there, they almost lost, mm-hmm. and then the 99 team won the Big 12, well, they, wouldn't,
0: they, they, they were going to blow that they hadn't won that game, so that was close, and then the next year, I think Josh Brown had to hit a field goal at the buzzer to beat Colorado in Lincoln, mm-hmm. so they, every year they got closer, and then Sean uh, said, in 2001 the the dam broke." He said, "They, they just they they just they just had them uh, had had them pegged perfectly." So, but that, that ninety nine mm-hmm. game guys, we, I think we're going to write a lot about this, the anniversary of the last conference championship uh, year. That that was a hell of a team. They, oh yeah, they they, they they hadn't lost to Texas uh, in Austin, and, they, and uh, they, they, at the end of the year when they when they. Tennessee and basketball—they—they—they—they're probably uh, the best team in the country. But mm-hmm. uh, but that my favorite play, one of my favorite plays of all time. I don't know if you remember this or not. When they were out in Boulder, they had the lead, and then they Corona came back, and it was like they were going to blow it. And I remember one play where they just had to hand off to ticket field goal win. And so it's called for a, a pitch out to Dan Alexander, and he fub- bobbled it and fumbled away. And, and so Colorado was going down. I thought they were going to win. And I'll never forget this. I ever remember who the running back was, but Mike Brown, safety, went in and literally stole the ball from his running back. He, he, rapped, he went in and tackled the guy. He, he, it was one of those classic... He tackled the football, and he went in and grabbed the football and ripped it out of the guy's arms. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And that saved the game because Colorado was, was going to set up for a field goal. Now, they ended up missing a chip shot at the end. But, I mean, that, that play saved the
3: game. Anyway, there's all kinds of these games that were like that with Colorado. Oh, yeah. Um, but we don't talk about the football because we talk about all the other stuff that everybody hates. Well, yeah, you, you, know, you have the memories of 2005 – when Sean Watson's our offensive coordinator, and we go out to Boulder, and I've never seen a ref come out and take an entire student section and kick them out of a game. I mean, that's a pretty rare memory to have. But that was the '05, you know. What were they game. doing? I probably remember that. I don't even know what they did on that one.
4: <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the battery throwing snowball one, was it?
3: Well, the snowball one was like '91 or okay. you know yeah. whatever that was. But but yeah, they were just they were doing Colorado things, and that was enough to get them kicked uh. out. But, yeah, I was there in the one game and actually was sitting in the student section of Colorado, which is in the end zone, so you get to see all those plays open up right <laughs> in front of you. I'm watching all the counters and the the guard tackle polling and just the, the wide open middle. But I have to give a little plug to the World Herald here, uh, the uh, Husker history. Uh, because of them, I went to a World Herald event with hy last week in Omaha, and I know the answer to this. We were ranked number two in 2001 in the AP. Because that was one of the few ones that my team got wrong. We thought that they had a question. When was the last time Nebraska was ranked number one in the AP? And, of course, we said 01, and it was actually 2000. I guess it must have been the game that we played Oklahoma and lost to Oklahoma. That's the last time in the AP we were number one. Now, I'm not sure about the coaches if we were number one in in 2001 or not, but – well the the one game should have been a
0: blessing for so much so who's into Colorado <laughs> should
4: have been a blessing it should have knocked him out of that that Rose Bowl oh yeah they had the impossible task of, of one of the greatest teams ever in Miami um, buzz on yeah. they, they had no chance
0: to do that and so if, if BCS had not screwed that up I mean it should have probably should have been it definitely should have been Oregon or Colorado but probably Oregon but either way it should have been Nebraska. In Nebraska would have gone to the Holiday Bowl or the Sugar Bowl, and I think they're going to play Illinois in the Sugar Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they would, they would have won that game. Mm-hmm. And then so much looks a lot better going forward. Yep. Uh, whereas, you know, you get blown out in the Rose Bowl by Colorado, and then the next year they, they struggled. It was uh, it, it, it just didn't look very good for them. But uh, anyway, we, Husker history. We, we talk about it all
4: night. <laughs> <laughs> that's, so That's great.
3: Let's get a little big picture here, Tom. Just a very general question. How should we define success for NU in this day and age of the college football playoff? Because right now it seems like there's a lot of perception nationally. If you're not one of those top four teams, you're nothing. And I, I don't, I hate that perception. Yeah. There's so much other good football. But anyways, the playoffs kind of changed that. So what are your thoughts on how do you define success for NU? Yeah,
0: I think it has. I, I'd like to see eight because it used to be – there were four New Year's Day bowls, and if you made a New Year's Day bowl, that was like being in the playoff. Uh, that 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 was special. But but everybody, every other bowl was, was still good. It, it didn't overshadow the other bowls. Now I feel like there's just one game. I mean, if there was a way to have eight teams in the playoff and make and, and maybe, maybe had more bowl games involved with with the playoff or something like that, I don't know. I I think it's um it, it's it's just the way it's going, and I think the word playoff is 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 not bowl game it's playoff like nfl playoff like this is not a bowl game this is better it's different so i that's just the way it's gone everybody you know wants they've always wanted a true national champion and you know <laughs> care for what you wish workers now we get Clemson in and alabama every year yep. and you know i don't know if that makes if that's boring or it makes the sport worse or not We probably it 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 it, it doesn't help the sport. I know that. I don't know if it makes it worse. It doesn't help the sport, but but certainly it makes everybody else look like 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 they're an afterthought. Like, what are we what are we playing for? Here we are getting getting ready to to, I kick off the season and uh, season just beginning. And you know what does it all mean? Because we're going to have the same two again probably. I love conference champions. I, I think I think that should matter. I don't. I don't. I don't think Group of Five should be automatic. I think they should still have to earn it. You know, it would probably still be <laughs> if there's three at large. It'd probably be two SEC in there,
3: right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't escape. So, do, do you th- um, do you think does Nebraska need to make the playoff? And I'm not talking about this year, but you know, in the future, does Nebraska need to make a playoff to ultimately be successful? Or do you think yeah. just winning conference titles is enough for for Husker fans? Well. It, Depends on if they win the conference.
0: After they win the conference, then they're going to want to be the next thing.
2: Mm-hmm. The
0: playoffs seems like it's so far away right now for Nebraska. Right now, they just want to win the division. Um, but yeah, I, I think eventually you want to get in there, but I think it's it'll be um, you know I really believe it's it's a it's a different day now. I, I think the fans. You know, the Husker fans are, are very savvy. They they, they they do have they do have uh, a, a good perspective on things. Not everybody now, but yeah. most of them I do believe would tell you, yeah, if we got to the playoff once every ten years, okay, I will take that. As long as long as Nebraska's playing good football and they're in the hunt every year, or at least in you know somewhere in the picture, uh, they're they're relevant. They're they're in, they're in the top ten. They're, they're 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 winning their division they're going to indianapolis once in a while i don't think anybody expects that to be every year
3: you
0: know yeah. it, it used to be every year and that was a different day that can never happen again uh now sure it happens to alabama and clemson but okay let's go ahead and recruit those kind of players and then right. we can talk about
6: that and,
3: and i always geez, i always hesitate with the can't happen here only because it has and I, I just believe that Nebraska. I don't know what what it can happen again means. I don't know if we can win, you know, sixty and three in five years like we did in the nineties. But I do believe that if anyone, Coach Frost, knows the formula that does work here, well, and there are there are formulas that work at places, and yeah. what works at Nebraska, I don't expect to work at USC and vice versa, or even at Alabama. But getting that walk on program, recruiting in state kids, developing players, Husker power, all of those things. Uh, and then sprinkle in your Adrian Martinez's yeah. and your Maurice Washington's and your national guys, at the very least, that feels and sounds to me a lot like what we did when we were at our best. Now they just they have to go out and perform, right? Tom, you've been covering
4: this a long time, too. And, like, you look at a guy like – You've been there when Tommy Frazier started out. You were there when Eric Kraut started out. We've got this guy right now, Adrian yeah. Martinez. I mean, does it feel similar to you in the in terms of the confidence that the staff has clearly got in this guy? You know, I, yeah, I, I understand the expectations are a little skewed almost because of him, but, but having a – if we're going to call him a generational quarterback, if we're comparing him to those two, but having a guy like that, if that's what he ends up being, that really yeah. does change – the trajectory of what your season and what your program can be, don't you think? Or? Yeah,
0: I, I agree. I mean and when it comes to that kind of stuff, I'm a can guy. I think Nebraska can do whatever it wants to do. Mm-hmm. But I just think people will not have the expectation of
3: of that because it's you know, you are not playing in the old big eight sure. um,
0: you know, and where it was just one or two games a year. Um, but in terms of, of Adrian, yeah, I I, I hesitate to compare him to
3: anybody in the past. I've never seen anybody like him in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so big, and yet he's mobile and fast. And he,
6: his arm, he's got a better arm than anybody. I,
0: I don't remember. I think Turner Gill, have had the best arm. Uh, but then, you've, then, then you're talking about guys like Crouch and Frost and Frazier who, who could run the option better than anybody. But this guy is, every bit is, in terms of a runner, He's got moves. He, yeah. He's got acceleration. He, uh, he's elite
4: as a runner at his size in particular. Yes. That's the thing that makes him strange. He's very strong, but his, his feet are smooth, and he's got really good explosion. It, I mean, it, it, it's, it, he's an unusual talent, and, and to have him at our quarterback is just kind of crazy to talk about, and you barely get any pushback when you say how great he is. It's well, <laughs> like, well, no. it looks pretty accurate. I mean, I've
0: this out there, and I don't mind doing it. I think can make the case that he could be the greatest quarterback ever in Nebraska and, and, and but,
3: Scott Frost but, has but said the gotta, same but thing
0: he's got to have jewelry mm-hmm. he's got to have mm-hmm. rings and we judge our quarterbacks <laughs> by by their championships and you know, unfortunately he's 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 a, he's at the front door of this
4: whole thing he's
2: yeah in mm-hmm. the very beginning and there's not there's a scheme is just getting
1: going the the talent isn't isn't the depth they don't have the offensive and
0: defensive lines yet I mean, he doesn't you know these guys like uh gill and frazier had, had 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 alan trophy guys in front of him but they had had heisman trophy guys you know handing off to heisman trophy winners i mean yeah they, he doesn't have
4: that in, so, in lieu of rings though tom do you think he could he could be remembered if he if he gets some hardware Say, say mm-hmm. a, a Danny O'Brien. I'm, I don't want to throw Heisman out there, but there's a potential for a Heisman. You know, there's a lot of other guys I, out there. I still think it's winning. And I still think you think okay. It, so, I think it would be. I think it would have to be Pasadena. Oh, that's yeah. and he's already lost more games than Gill
3: and Frazier <laughs> combined true. in well, one season. I mean, that's I mean, a, it's just,
0: it, you, you, you wonder, boy. If the guy, that's why there's so much urgency to, to get players right now around him. Uh, you know, you, you know, you sure hope he goes four years. But boy, you think,
1: boy, if he could have gotten here. Three or four years from now, mm-hmm. what would you know when everything's in
0: place? What would could he have done then? Yeah. Um, so it's just uh,
3: you know, timing's everything. That's a great point, Tom, because that is part of it. Like he is such a good QB. This early, like we shouldn't have him now. This should have been a guy that we
4: would get in year four. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe there'll be somebody better. Maybe he'll lead to something else. Well, and and I love it. I love the fact we have him now. It, it leads, but that is an impact he could have later on if he goes on to the NFL, and 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 proves that he's a decent prospect. That that changes the narrative across the nation that what Nebraska can do with quarterbacks, and that could lead to more. Well, yeah. but I think he's special. And I legitimately for, think he's special.
3: And Frost's history with quarterbacks speaks for itself. Now, and one thing I wanted to mention about expectations, real quick, because it's really interesting fans' expectations change the second you start to change as a program. I can remember Husker baseball in the mid-90s. We were about ready to close it down like Iowa State did. And, you know, most fans would be like, if we could just win a couple of games. And then all of a sudden you start making, you know, conference championships and you get to the College World Series. And by the time you've done that once or twice, well, geez, Van Horn can't win a College World Series game. You know, people's expectations change immediately as the team does. And that's the thing, too. I mean, Tom, you're a, histor- you're a history guy, too, and and – people that sit there and is nebraska a blue blood or not a blue blood now because we've lost some games every program's gone what through what nebraska's gone through right yes. i mean alabama between bear bryant and and uh, nick saban they had a little bit of gene stallings but other than that there were some embarrassing mics at the at the head coaching <laughs> position right and and every and even 10 years ago or 15 years ago the top programs in the country usc texas florida recruiting hotbeds. These guys will never be bad again because they get every, they trip over five-star kids. Well, guess what? Coaching matters too. And Nebraska, that's the thing that we've harped on this show so much about Coaching matters so much, and we feel like we finally have that coach and staff in place. Mac, you've talked about it, that we have an identity. We're recruiting to an identity. We're doing the Husker Power stuff, and all of that matters. And that's that's Nebraska's secret sauce because it makes no sense for Nebraska be, to be the winningest program since 1962. It still doesn't. <laughs> we were the smallest state in the country to have a Power 5 school, other than now uh, West Virginia, thanks to them. But we were the smallest state. There's, it makes no sense what we did for all those years, but it was because we had the best people out there. And the people matter. And when you do things yeah. long enough and you do things right long enough, the winds will start to come. I,
4: I agree. Fantastic. I, I appreciate as much... As honky does over here, your time. I mean, honestly, I know we've already gone over, but <laughs> it you know, it's, you, you brought up Milt Tiniper one time and, and me and Matt had the honor of having some drinks with him one night and it was kind of the oh, same boy. deal. It's like if you can get Milk going on some stories, man, just sit back and listen because his wife ended up calling him to tell him to come home, but I'm like <laughs> I'm like, Whatever you need, Milk, no, I'll go get that for you. You know, just, it's yeah, great. We, so this this is just kinda this for for Husker fans like like the, the Red Redcast is, man, this is this is fantastic. Thank you. Well, let's do
3: it again. I had a great time. That's oh, a, yeah, we, we, great. we could do an entire show in Teneper, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We'd have to have, have, to have a couple of Bud lights to do that. Hey, minute amen. Minute amen.
2: There. All right. Well, that was a, a fabulous interview. Uh, and really gets me excited for this Saturday's game. Uh, Honky and I obviously are going, and uh, we'll be there with producer Skip, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I was able to watch the cu CSU game with producer skip actually on Friday night uh and boomer you, you caught some of that game too as well yeah
5: I was able to watch that uh, not not in the comfort of Vegas or anything like that but uh, <laughs> yeah I watched the game as well and some of it I think it's in some degree, it was almost kind of the opposite of our game. You know, their offense was able to click and churn out yardage and score points. Their defense, however, you know, did have a lot of questions. They gave up, what, over 500 yards, I believe, to the Rams, if I remember yeah. correctly. and 500 yards. Yeah, that's yards. that's a lot of yards. So they were able to generate quite a few turnovers, so similar to us. But, you know, the the defense was a big question for them. And I know just kind of reading some of the the Colorado news afterwards, that's kind of one of the big concerns. You know, watching the game, they had trouble containing outside was one of the big takeaways I saw. Colorado State could, you know, get to the outside, which seemed to be where we were having our greatest success when it came to running the ball. So I think that does present some opportunities for our offense to try to write things, you know,
2: after watching that game and seeing what worked for us against South Alabama. That's my exact take, actually, when I, I watched the game and then saw some of those stats. I mean... Colorado State is not supposed to be very good this year. I don't know where they'll end up in the Mountain West, but they are picked at the bottom and went three and nine last year. They're not nice, very yep. optimistic um, in Fort Collins about this team or the future of Mike Bobo. But, um, they, they looked every uh, bit as good as CU in the first half. And even in the second half, they were kind of going back and forth. Uh, they had a, a, a turnover, as Boomer mentioned, that made a difference where CU was able to get a, a two score difference and were able to kind of keep that and finally get it to, to three. But CSU was having a lot of success moving the ball. And it's, it's interesting. It's the exact opposite here. We have Nebraska struggling in week one with an offensive minded coach. Colorado, you look at the score and they won by three touchdowns and they score 50 points, but they have a defensive minded coach who gives up 500 yards, right? Exact opposite of what Mel Tucker would want, right? Mel probably would have took the Nebraska stat line and think, well, that's what's what I imagine we're going to be doing in the future where I think Scott Frost would have took the 500 yards of offense that CU probably, um, generated and think that's how his offense should work. So it's, it was just the opposite day uh, in many ways. Uh, honky, you've got to be thinking about the Nebraska defense and how are we going to defend CU here. We have a very experienced quarterback, Steven Montez, who has a, a very good arm, good touch. Um, not necessarily a runner, but he's a big guy who is athletic. And you have uh, one of the best wide receivers in the country in uh, LaVisca Chenault and uh, his uh, um, teammate Katie Nixon out there. Uh, a good running back. It looked like uh, Boomer, what was his name again? Fontenot, is that right? Yeah,
5: Alex Fontenot. He had, I believe, yeah. three touchdowns in the second half of that game. He really kind of. like the soft spot on
2: the baby. Fontenot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Fontenot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, anyway, I mean, I, I, I think uh, Eric Schneider has got his hand, hands full with uh, the Colorado offense. But again, I just don't know how good CU, CSU was. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball.
3: Sure. Yeah, I mean, we spent, obviously, the, the majority of the beginning of this show talking about our offense versus uh, South Alabama for all the obvious reasons. Now it's a chance to talk about the, the defensive side that I think did um, maybe overachieve what some people thought coming into the season. Jay Lehman, for instance, on BTN, For me, it's low. Listen, nobody drank more Haterade on the Husker D than me, and I admit that, but you know what? I've traded my Haterade for some humble pie, because the defense, as Scott Frost admitted, bailed out the Huskers. Two defensive TDs. It was a sack fumble, got the recovery in the end zone, then that pick six. Oh, what about J.D. Spielman in special teams? Listen, I I know the offense is going to get better than Scott Frost. I had no clue the defense was going to be that good and that active, so... I'm not concerned. Yeah, I think that's good news. If the defense can play at or near that level and the offense gets back to what we expect, right. this could, in fact, be a dangerous team. And that sleeper pick, well, maybe not even a sleeper. Some had them as the preseason favorite.
5: Yeah, they're trending. The
3: big- Prior to the season on BTN, uh, Jay had talked about how, with regarding the Blackshirts, how they can score on anybody, but I don't think they can stop everybody. And what you just heard there, I mean, he's changed his tune based off of what he saw in one game. Now, I don't know if that's the right thing either. You know, people are jumping off ship on offense. I don't know if, if you didn't feel very good about our defense. I don't know that you should just be jumping onto the ship off of one game either. I think we match up well with Colorado. A year ago, we had seven sacks on these guys. We had four sacks last weekend. We started getting turnovers last weekend. Those are things that bode very well for us. I think our defensive line is incredibly physical right now. And I think we go a good 6-7 deep. And I saw, what I saw of our secondary, that's the best play I've seen out of our secondary across the the board in years. And I think having the same defensive backs coach back for two years in a row probably is paying off. But to be able to lose a guy like Deontay Williams, who Mac, you and I've said all yeah. offseason, we think he's probably the, you know, he might be the best defensive back on the team.
4: I was excited about him. And for he, sure.
3: and he came out and I'll tell you what, this is one of those things about the first game of the season. Guys come out and that they, they're different. Some are, you know, crazy excited, and some dudes it takes them a couple of plays to get going. It took Deontay no time at all to be running around with his hair on fire. In fact, he probably needed to be sat anyways for a couple of plays just to kind of calm himself down. You could just tell he was so emotional, and he ended up getting that 15 mm-hmm. yard penalty, and then unfortunately he got we injured. Call. It was a recall. We, we call. call, but and then unfortunately he got injured there. Hopefully it's nothing serious for long term, but he goes out and we replace him with Lee. And I did about a 15-play video defensive breakdown on Twitter on uh, Monday. So if you guys get a chance, go back and watch some of our videos. And we broke down. It was all defense. And the hustle, the hats to the ball, and the physicality of this defense, I I mean, that's all I highlighted. I Mm -hmm. highlighted plays that were just two-yard runs, just normal plays, but you would see individual players making physical plays. Tyron Ferguson, on one play, took on four players. It's little things like that. And then, and then there was one play they threw the ball out. And my gosh, we had 10 hats running to the ball. And do you remember Dave last year? A big issue we kept talking about was these quick out screens that teams would throw against us. And if it was completed, a guy would get six to seven yards before even being touched. That wasn't happening on Saturday. We had defensive backs right up in guys' faces. And when they hit, they hit. They took guys down. Physical practices were showing It's impressive too, in the, it the
4: first game and the tackling was not an issue. I felt like the tackling was, for the most part, pretty good this this first week. And you know, for years or not years, I don't want to I don't want to talk in hyperbole, but we have lacked some teeth on defense. We've had some guys who can tackle. We've had some guys who can get the job done, but we don't have anybody that's going to hurt you. And I feel like this year we've got some guys that are out there to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Cam Taylor's out there to smoke you. Oh my JoJo Doman's out there to put a put some pain on you. Deontay Williams, as, as we've already discussed, he's there to do damage. And that's sort of like that's the kind of the new that's a, not new. It's it's the blackshirt mentality that you want. So, you know, when you're dealing with a team like uh Colorado and they've got their one superstar in Chenault, one of the ways that they kind of get him involved is they move him everywhere. You know, he plays, he plays running back. He plays H back. He plays the slot. He plays outside wide. Sometimes he'll do the wildcat quarterback. Well, how how does Travis Fisher combat that? Well, you've seen Cam Taylor. He played at safety. He played at corner. He'll play at nickel. Jojo Doman's kind of the same thing. We have this kind of positionless football that we're now playing in the, in the secondary or maybe the back seven. So we don't really tip our hand what our coverage is. And that, that allows us to be more multiple as we recruit guys who know all the positions as we develop up guys that know all the positions in the backfield that make it just as hard for them to know where we're going in terms of our coverage, in terms of our press, in terms of our pressure. Uh, so that's that's kind of how I envision us attacking the Colorado offense, is we, get, we are going to be multiple in our backfield. We're going to have playmakers out on the field, and, and it's going to be hard to tell where the pressure is going to come from. And, and we have the athletes, I feel like, to go out there and compete with them. Lamar Jackson comes out there, and I mean, I know we've said this probably ad nauseum, Lamar Jackson comes out there, does a, does a corner blitz, and it was one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen. And to me, and this just was warmed my heart because since the day he was recruited here, he was one of the best athletes on the team, one of the most athletic players people 63215 he i mean he is perfectly built to play football. He comes down there full speed, almost goes for the fake on the running back well, he and does. adjusts midstream yeah. and drills the quarterback. It was such an athletic play. Gets the ball out, you know, <clears throat> it's a turnover on defense and it's just like, "All right, here we go." There's another play where uh, Cam Taylor misses a tackle, Lamar comes up and just completely takes the guy down. I'm seeing from every level of the defense physical play hard tackling and flying to the ball and it's it, it's 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 not just the front line guys it's the second round guys I mean I, I feel like as we watch this team develop it is going to be almost like an 18man rotation that we're talking about throughout the season and that's fine it's fantastic because if you can play as hard as you can go for four or five six snaps and the next man up and it's hardly mm-hmm. any drop-off that's how we're gonna compete so you know with the matchup with Colorado I I'm interested to see how we do it, but I'm not nervous at all. The, the black shirt showed up so big to me. Uh, if, if the game would have went the other way, and we talked about this, if it had flipped and the offense was great, but the defense struggled against South Alabama, man, I'm not feeling good about Colorado at all. As it stands now, we're talking about a few adjustments on the offense, getting some snaps lower and having a, our, our full complement of playmakers back there to, to, you know, kind of get this thing sparked. I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, my expectations have not changed one iota from the first week.
2: Mac, that was a, a great breakdown. You actually, I had like three things I wanted to throw out, and you hit like all of them. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> Just uh, let me run, Dave. I got, I got some <laughs> stuff <right>. built up. <laughs> uh, the one, th- one thing I would uh, want to add or ask, I guess, is so in that matchup with Chenault. Uh, so, how does see uh, uh, and you handle that? Is it going to be one guy, or do you think it's whoever he's going to be lining up against? How do we uh, address uh, Chenault in his? versatility
3: number one is not losing him and not losing track of where he is on the field because he will line up in so many different positions in so many different ways that that can be your number one issue but number two and this is the thing that you can learn from game one if I was uh, an offensive coordinator watching Nebraska's defense from last week those rub plays the picks whatever you want to call it you know um, that was something that had a major effect on us and some of that is just comes down to communication. We talked a little earlier about Eli Sullivan, a guy that a week ago none of us were talking about. We didn't know he'd be playing. And here's a guy that goes out there and makes two or three unbelievable plays, really good plays. But then on a touchdown, they did a rub play. And, and somewhere between him and Boodle in the backfield, we had some communication gap. Well, guess what? I don't know how much... In the offseason, Sullivan and Boodle are working together, you know, on the field together. I don't know if they're the same station or not. And so that's an opportunity to grow from it. I'm glad that happened in that game if that prevents it from happening in this game. But that's the kind of stuff in week two, we're going to need to improve our communication in that backfield against a lot of those misdirection and pick plays, rub plays, whatever you want to call it. Because that was something that South Alabama had a decent amount of success on us. One other thing South Alabama had, and I mentioned this, I texted you guys during it, I am always concerned with mobile quarterbacks. Mobile quarterbacks, You look at Louisville last night. I don't know if Louisville has a great uh, offense or not, but they gave fits to the Notre Dame defense because a mobile quarterback could keep plays going, keep it moving. Well, South Alabama had the same thing. Montez is not the most athletic quarterback we're going to play. He's not unathletic. I don't want to come off that way, but he's not going to be the big runner. A year ago, we got to him seven times. I want to see us get to him four or five times at least this week,
2: and and hit him hard when we hit him. Hey, Boomer, can you look up the stats really quick last week on Montez? I feel like he ran maybe four or five times for. I mean, he had a decent chucking of yards at some point. I think it will be really interesting to see if if CU game plans and and chooses to run Montez. Um, just a little bit, uh, to Honky's point.
5: He did uh, carry the ball a little bit. Uh, he had uh, five carries for 39 yards, so he did run. Interestingly yeah. enough, you know their lead receiver wasn't Chenault in that game. It was actually uh, Tony Brown. Actually, was uh, had more yards.
2: Yeah, Ch- Chenault didn't have a classic day. Actually, um, overall, you're right. So that was interesting. Anyway, I, I, I think Montez uh, can run if they so chose to do so. He's big enough. And athletic enough, it's just he's a pass-first guy. So it'll just be interesting to see how, how CU a- approaches that.
4: One more thing going back to the defensive back unit and, and the, the amount of turnovers they generate and everything like that. It, Travis Fisher is becoming probably one of my favorite assistant coaches on the staff. And one yeah. of, the, one of the, his best qualities is his ability to speak plainly. You know, he has a way of presenting something that might sound either cocky or too direct for most people to, to hear and absorb. But the way he, the way he phrases it his demeanor, he's just like, Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. But one thing he did put to rest. And I'm, I'm super, super grateful is that we will not be doing any kind of turnover anything. And I don't mean to be to get off my, <laughs> get off my lawn guy, mm-hmm. but it, as far as like trends in college football, I would just as soon avoid not, not alternate jerseys, you know, not, you know, uh commitment videos. It's I would love to avoid these this turnover uh celebration on the sidelines. It, it brings you know,
3: attention to an individual versus a, a team.
4: You know, it, it it's just it's just not it's just not necessary. I mean Colorado I think has a, a turnover robe. So <laughs> do they really, they really do. I'm like- not joking. It's like it's like a boxing robe. And, yeah, and they do yes, like Colorado that. fans, if you plan on listening to this, that is incredibly lame it's so <laughs> copycat and so bush league the fact that your fans put up with it just speaks to why that stadium's going to be half red oh you know I'm, uh,
3: god i would imagine like a turnover bong or something i can't believe a rope. That, is, that is lame my god
4: it's a turnover hemp rope <laughs> god. so yeah he put that to bed I'm, I'm super excited for the secondary, man. They came out balling this last week. And, you know, Eric Lee coming out, Colorado guy going back home, Doman going home, uh, even Sullivan. He's a, he's a Colorado guy. Hell, you know, if, if McCaffrey, if things go well, McCaffrey gets to go play. It's going to be fantastic. A, a couple of
3: things I do want to mention here, Dave. The inside linebackers, the hustle of Hannes, Miller, and Barry. We highlighted several plays where they were making tackles on the towards the, the boundary, running 30 yards sideways and, and getting to a receiver. There was one play where they got 15 yards on us. It ended up getting called back on a penalty, but they get 15 yards on a play. But But the guy that makes the tackle is the inside linebackers, both of them hustling 35 yards across the play. And if they didn't make that tackle, the guy could have gone for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And in the past, that's what would have happened. Well, getting hustle – that, that's a culture thing. That's a black shirt thing. And our guys hit hard. They hustled. And there were hats flying to the
4: ball. And how many times? That's exactly what I wanted to see out of the defense. And how many times were they put in terrible situations, quick-chain situations? You know, we'd either go three or out or we'd turn it over. It just wasn't – the offense mm-hmm. wasn't even kind of performing. So the defense was on short notice a lot of times and still came through. I mean, even at, towards the end of the game, even though we, the margin wasn't that big as far as points go, I wasn't that worried because I'd never seen their offense do anything against our defense. And I saw every offense – do anything against our defense last year. So I see the improvement. Oh, okay. I, I see the gains. I see the, I see the endurance and stamina of our defense running and flying around the entire time, which was kind of like my big key going into the game. Like, what kind of defense are we going to see? They were flying around. They were making good contact. You weren't seeing a lot of missed tackles. And when you did see a missed tackle, there was another guy to come and clean up right afterwards. So it's as far as that goes, first game, I couldn't have been any happier with with the defense, and for the most part, special teams. Mm.
2: Honky, I mean, what, what's going to make the, the deciding factors, I guess, in uh, the CUNU game here on Saturday?
3: I think Frost talked about how in this game it was so unique that we only had 66 plays on offense. I'm going to throw an over-under is that if we can get over 80 plays of offense, I almost guarantee a win. We need to own the time of possession in that sense. We need to own the the pace of play on offense. That All of that plays a role into it. And – There was never a chance in this game. It never felt like we could ever get in any kind of rhythm. But if we can get the offense out there and and wear a team down, get a chance to do that, and let's get 250-plus rushing yards. And I'd love to see Adrian be a big part of that too. That's something that didn't happen in this last game. We have a mobile quarterback. For whatever reason, we really didn't see that mobility last week, but we know it's there. Let's get it out there. If we see that mobility out of our quarterback – we're going to have a very successful offense this weekend. We're going to score enough points. And defensively, it, it's just it's turnovers and, and sacks again. I think that's the that's the two things I want to see. We had seven sacks last year. Do it again.
5: Sure. Boomer,
2: you want to add anything here, keys to the game?
5: I think Alki hit on the big one that I wanted to hit again, turnovers. You look at both teams' uh, performance this week, the big difference I think for both of them was the turnover margin. Uh you know, I think Colorado ended up with, uh, what, plus four, I think, in the turnovers against Colorado State, and that made the difference, even with all the offense. So, yeah, if we can do the same and uh, limit, limit uh, the damage we give, you know, the, the hand we give to Colorado to do damage in the game, I think that's going to make the difference.
2: Boomer, uh, to that point, I was just thinking of the C U C S U CSU game and watching it with producer skips. So I'm going to throw this to Mac, but could you do me a quick uh, bit of research and figure out. Uh, by chance, if we know who the refs are for the Nebraska CU game, are they Pac-12 refs? Are they Big Ten refs? Did we bring the Mountain West Ooh, in? Yeah, in I'll, have to, I'll have to look
5: into that because I know they were Pac-12 refs for the Colorado CSU game and that was a bit of a contention there from Bobo. So exactly. Say, because yeah.
2: Producer Skip is convinced that the Pac-12 refs are just atrocious and you watch those games and there's just some odd calls. Uh, Mac, your keys to the game? Well, um, offensively, my keys to the game would be I want the ball to come out
4: fast. If we're dropping back to pass, I want that ball out there pretty quickly. It seems like last week we're, Adrian was waiting for things to break open or we just weren't sure where to go with the ball. If we're seeing the ball come out of his hands pretty quickly, regardless of rush, that's a very good sign. I mean, obviously the high snaps, but, you know, the high snaps just ruin rhythm and and just you know that's the thing i want to see the most i want to see rhythm on offense the ball coming out quickly defensively I, i'm honestly i just want to see us flying around some more i just want to yeah. keep you know when we hit here's the thing last year we had tacklers you know last year we had like a like a dedrick young he'd make tackles he he would get in there uh, you know a freedom would make a tackle i want some guys that hit mm. you know we've got some guys that now are bringing the wood and that's what i want to see i want you to get done and go i don't like running over the middle with these guys because they're smoking me. I want do- Doman to go in there, or, or Domon. I'm not sure, depending on who you're who you're listening to announce the game. I want us to, to inflict a little pain on these guys.
2: All right, well, let's, uh, let's actually do the game predictions now. Uh, we kind of forgot to do that last week, so let's make sure we get it in this week. Hockey, let's start with you. Uh, what's your prediction for the NUCU game?
3: Well, I've talked a lot about how this – Hashtag CU Red Out Week is important for Husker Nation. It's important for the program. I feel like we lost our mojo in Boulder back in 2001 when we lost 62 to 36, and I think we're going to get that mojo back this week in front of a sea of red, in front of 20,000 plus uh, Nebraska fans. Dave, producer Skip, myself, and a whole slew of others I know are going to be out there. So we're going to get that mojo back, and we're going to flip the the score on them. Nebraska 62, Colorado 36. 36
2: <laughs> that is the 2001 score uh boomer you want to be so
5: bold as that i don't know if i can ever be quite as bold as honky with his predictions um <laughs> let's see this high is first boomer that is true yeah uh altitude not quite as high as wyoming right so that yeah. could hey did you big. hear
3: how frost frost was asked about the altitude and he made a whole point about it. it's not a big deal you know the players don't talk about it it's they not don't a big
5: think, deal Not a big deal. We're in good shape, Boomer. So we're in good shape there. So I like that. Uh, I'd like to think the offense is going to perform better in a little more time. Like you said, repetition snaps. Let's say Nebraska 41, Colorado
2: 35. Should be exciting. All right. Mac. that sounds like a pretty good score. What are you thinking?
4: Well, at minimum... Maurice Washington gets two touchdowns, Wondell, three cumulative. I don't know if they're going to be all kick returns, wide receiver, or running back. So I'm mid-40s. I'll say 48 to 21. Uh, Yeah, 21.
2: And garbage 21. We're going to kill Colorado. (laughs) We're killing them. (laughs) All right, I like it. Uh, Yeah, we haven't talked a lot about Wandell. He did have a very good first game. Considering the offense really didn't produce that many yards, I do think he has probably a, a big play, a highlight-type play, uh, probably as well as Mo Washington. All right, I, I think I'm in the same ballpark as Mac and and Boomer. I'll say 45 to 28, something around in that neck of the woods. So feeling good about it. Uh, but we're just gonna have to let it let it play out, and I'm gonna be looking forward to uh, celebration of a victory on the road that I have not seen since 1995.
4: For Dave Gasper's to be the Husker fan that he is, despite the numerous road losses, this guy has Minnesota.
2: Seen, um, oh yeah. Oh I don't, my gosh. Where, I don't, have, you, where I don't, have you
3: all seen losses? I don't think we've Oklahoma, appreciated Oklahoma, Minnesota, Minnesota. This one's yeah. for yeah. Dave. three
2: three championship games. Yeah. Conference championship games. Yeah, it's just a a laundry list. This one's for you, buddy. Let's get you a win.
4: Let's get you a win. Wisconsin, Michigan State. (laughs) Michigan State.
2: Ohio State. I don't even want to talk about that Mm -hmm. one. All right. Well, I don't want to end the show on that. So let's uh, let's turn this to a positive, guys. We are going to see a victory on Saturday. That's I'm right. going to see a victory on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to having a great time. Not only hanging out with Honky and producer Skip, but um, all the red casters that we hope to see out there uh, in uh, Boulder. All right. And then let's get out of here with some parting shots. Let's start with Mac.
4: It's a short football season we we wait all year long for about 13 games enjoy them have a great time with it we're in the win column and any way we can scrounge them out you just enjoy them and, and don't let don't let your coworkers who oh we suck again you know don't let them bring you down they're they're a waste of your time that is <laughs> we are not the podcast for you folks
3: yeah when that happens just listen to us again for a second yeah. time
4: to get your mojo or, or back. jump on the husk guys twitter feed those yeah. they're of the same mindset um don't be small, Husker fans. Don't be small. <laughs> all right, Boomer, what do you got?
5: Well, I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, the uh, staff of the stadium that actually handled the graphics and the uh, the big screen and the, and the ribbons. They really upgraded everything inside the game this year. Um, the big screen can do split screens now. The ribbon gives you all sorts of information, like, uh, you know, good descriptions after the play yardage gained who had the ball who made the tackle you know drive charts all sorts of stuff there's now a tv timeout countdown clock so you can see how much of your life espn is wasting so (laughs) i think they really did a great job of adding to the fan experience inside the stadium Uh, cell service was great so great good shout out to everybody there they're really doing a good job of trying to make the attending a game in person great
2: the fan experience what it's all All about dave excellent and Hockey, uh, why don't you get us out of here?
3: Dave, you've mentioned this in the past, and I think this is really important. I can't wait to get out there and see you guys in a couple of days. Hashtag see you red right out. But, you know, when we're out there, let's be cool. Let's be cool as fans. I, there's no reason. I think the, the Colorado AD sent something out about asking his fans to be civil. I don't even buy that garbage. I've been to every stinking stadium in the Big Ten damn near, and I've been to every damn near Big 12-1-2. I Damn near. Damn near. <laughs> I don't even buy into this stuff about not being civil. We're going to go out there. We're going to have a blast. We're going to talk to a ton of Colorado fans and we're going to talk football with them. And if they don't want to talk to us, then we'll just move on to the next one. We'll find someone that yeah. will. But if and they there step are,
4: to you. I know. If they step to you, we'll put just them down. We'll, You got to put them down. We'll just step around. Put them
3: down. We'll step around and find someone else. And that's, that's the point is that this is a good time. This is supposed to be college football, a ton of fun, and we're going to have that, Husker fans. It's going to be awesome. Speaking of that, Redcasters, send us your photos as you're crossing into Colorado on your drive Send us your photos of your tickets because there's a lot of talk that you know Colorado saying that they they there's not as many people going there as as uh, as they're saying. Well, send us the photos of your tickets. We'll we'll, uh, you know you don't
4: have to show the actual seats, just the the top of it. But but we'll uh, we'll post those. Also, Husker fans, as you go out there just do one edible at a time waiting to see if it hits you before you do the next edible I mean just just be careful with that stuff they, they'll trick you they'll say oh if it hasn't hit yet just be careful with that um, this Colorado fans that they'll uh, they'll play these games with you just this wise up
2: sound advice from Mac
3: <laughs> last but not least before we get shut down by the FCC or whoever um, I want to thank uh, Run the Ball guy who gave us a positive review on iTunes for our our Colorado uh, series uh, podcast that we did. You know, keep them coming. Give us good ratings and all that. We really appreciate it. And uh, Go Big Red.
2: That's a Go Big Red cast. Hashtag see you right out.